Rear Window is about a photographer who's known for going in deep and dangerous. <laughs> going in deep. Oh, man. Goddamn, bro. What, what do you mean? Oh, my. Oh, man. The streets. I just can't make any comments, but the streets. That's all I'm going to say. If you know, you know. The streets. Welcome to Danger. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with this episode. This shit it ain't happening. This is going to be a wild one. Uh, we're getting ready for Nick to go flying. Glasses. Eddie's dropping his glasses off. Yeah, see, look at this. someone's going up real high right now. Whoa! Actually, does look kind of cool. I've been real scattered. But anyway, all right, we'll see what's gonna happen. Our boys are getting suited up. I'll check back with you when they're in there. Sound speeding. Camera rolling. Scene 19. Take 303. Mark. Welcome to Take 303, powered by Four Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film and his friend. I'm Nick Molinari. I'm J.P. Brooks. Today we're talking film and television, and today we're talking about. Insidious Chapter 5, The Red Door, and Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. And today we also have a very special guest who... Who will be uh, blacked out for privacy purposes. Here's our buddy, Eddie. How's it going? How's it going, everyone? This is a black screen. It's a black screen. You don't need a gesture. How's it going, everybody? Thank you. His hands are up in the air. Eddie, you uh, you have dubbed yourself a very two-word title that you like to use. You are Eddie... The Mexican. There you go. There it is. Um, we're so glad that you finally uh, came out as Mexican. I've been waiting my whole life for you to tell me that, so it's really great. Tell us a little bit about your movie background. What kind of movies do you like? What kind of television shows? What, what do you like? I like mostly everything. I, I'm a, a guy who likes... I grew up with anime. I grew up with uh, mm-hmm. comics. I grew up uh, hating the Superman Returns. And I also grew up hating Daredevil, Nick. You know? Because that's not a good movie. But Evanescence, though. No. No. So you sound pretty basic. You don't really sound anything special. It is special. what it is, like, you know? You seem like a normal, regular guy. Like, he's, he's the common man. He, you're, you're the everyman. You're yes. the common man. I'm the common Which is man. a great person to have on the pod, especially for such a polarizing movie. We just came out uh, from seeing Insidious, The Red Door. And whew, uh, JP, you, you had an interesting ending to the Yeah, to the take a shit. <laughs> I, at one point, I was like, oh man, I really have to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'll wait. I'll stick it through. And then at some point... Something really stupid happened, and I okay, I'm done with this. And I said it pretty loud, like the whole movie there is like, I'm done, I'm going. Yeah, you walked right past me. You're like, I'm gonna take a shit right now. <laughs> what a stupid movie. But uh, Nick, who's in this movie? Insidious: The Red Door is directed by Patrick Wilson. It is starring Ty Simpkins, Patrick Wilson, and Rose Byrne. When a demon from their past comes back. <laughs> Insidious Chapter 5, The Red Door, follows Josh and Walden. Is that his name? No. What's Dalton. Dalton? <laughs> You've been watching this intently. I don't give a shit about this movie. You don't give a shit, you just take shit. I just take shit during movies. Insidious Chapter 5 follows Josh and Dalton, father and son, who were previously attacked and haunted in Insidious 1 and Insidious Chapter 2. After they do some hypnosis to forget about what happened over the course of the year, they were haunted. Ten years later, when Dalton goes off to college, both father and son are triggered and begin to remember back to the time of the astral plane. And that's where our movie takes off. And at some point, thank God, comes to an end. Almost. Because somebody told us there's a post credit scene that we walked out and didn't watch. Yes, because you're going to watch Flickering Lights. 
Really? So in, initial yeah. thoughts going around the room. What are we? What are we thinking? Sum up this movie in one sentence. I fell asleep. Multiple times. Yeah. I watched you. I asked if we could leave, and that's serious. That's not even a joke. I turned multiple times. <laughs> Can we leave? So I think we found the movie that's worse than the Pope's Exorcist. I know you love oh, Pope's Exorcist. Russell Crowe. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Was it? Well, you like Pope's Exorcist, right? I don't Go-go. think. I, I don't think. Well, I had fun in that, but. I don't. Exactly. You had fun. Did you have fun with Insidious: The Red Door? Well, the people in the theater were making it fun. Right, but not the movie. <laughs> Let's be clear. Brooklyn made it fun. Uh, Eddie, how did you? Def- how did they defeat the monster in Insidious Chapter Five? He painted black. He painted black. So if he never draws the door, there's never a problem. And he's never like, man, this all started when I had that really deep existential crisis in my art class. I'm not gonna touch this for a week. Let's see what happens. About that, Nick. Didn't we talk about this? Why did they? She got divorced yeah. with him yeah. because he was possessed, and then he notices that the guy is all fucked up because he forgot, but doesn't bother to tell him. <laughs> Why? It's somehow a guy gets possessed by a demon. It's still his fault. <laughs> Like a husband is possessed by a creature to save his son, it's his fault. How dare you, the the audacity. Uh, I know what you did back there. You were with somebody else, and somebody else came in. I'm done. Who was in that astral plane with you? (laughs) I want to see receipts. (laughs) Close the door and no come back. (laughs) What a stupid movie. I agree with you, Eddie. What a very, like... If we really look at that relationship through the lens of divorce, what a fucked up relationship. Is like, just, just playing the blame game at this and point. And not only that, but then she sees her son fucked up, and she never figured, oh, maybe it's because I made them forget their trauma. No, they're, they're fine. Uh, I, gen- I genuinely wanted to leave. It's not a joke. It was okay in the beginning. Like, cool, some backstory. And then at just some point, I was just like, uh, uh, but I know what killed it for me. I would argue that the beginning was the worst part of the movie. Because of how much they gave away through exposition. Like, I feel like if you compare this to the movie that we're going to talk about after the break, Rear Window. Rear Window spends so much time not telling you things. And it just gives you a little bit of information and you have to piece it together. If you think about the first opening sequence of the movie, they're trying to tell you the grandmother is dead. They're trying to tell you he's going off to college. There's uh, a divorce going on. What if we just started at the college had the kid go there and then we find out later on about the divorce we find out later what the father's doing we don't really need a lot of those things until later on and then you can start piecing together the puzzle the only thing i think you need and you have to say it early is the whole hypnosis stuff i would argue no bring it in at what point bring it in after his first couple uh like hallucinations, hallucinations yeah, kind of thing. What do you think, Eddie? I think they should just have not made the movie. <laughs> what? Eddie, you are, that is the <laughs> best take I've heard yeah. thus far. In the beginning, you're being told exactly what's happening. So when the hallucinations happen, you're not, you're not like those characters. You know something that they don't know, so you're not left in the same suspense or the same fear that they are. You know exactly what's going on. Whereas in something like Rear Window or like a suspenseful kind of movie, they're giving you a little bit of information so that way you're on the same playing field as the main character, and you're learning as they learn. All that sounds right, but this is the fifth movie. You know, this is technically three for the family. 
And if you just start off without explaining it, all right, Nick, this is the third movie with this family. You go into it, and then 30, 40 minutes in, you realize, like, why are they acting so weird like they've never seen this stuff before? It might be interesting. And then they tell you, oh, well, they had hypnosis to bury the memory. I still feel like that's just as disappointing as if you had it in the beginning. It's just a bad reason. I think that's overall. I think I can see your point. Maybe it's a little bit better later on, but I just think uh, I think overall it's just, it's just a bad plot device. Well, the writers might have seen that. Wouldn't that make Rose Byrne's character look like an asshole even more? Like, yeah. Like, it would make her look like a complete asshole. Like, yeah, you, you don't start off with the hypnosis, right? Mm-hmm. You go in and halfway through, like, they start arguing, right? Oh, why didn't you tell? Oh, I hypnotize you. So what uh, what else bothered you about this movie? What about the, the whole frat scene? That was completely unnecessary. Like, what you just gave me a, a, a vomiting demon because you wanted to show us his power? Like, you could have come up with something more creative than that. What's his, the, the, the Nick guy? What do they call Nick him? The Nick the Dick. Yeah, yeah. like... That's actually that, his name. That, 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 wasn't, that wasn't needed. None of that was needed because there was no payoff with that. They added little... Like, that wasn't even the subplot. They just added that just because they needed time. The, the movie was an hour and 47 minutes. Yeah. Without that, that's an hour and like 25. Yeah, and what's interesting is he goes back to go see the puking kid and he doesn't see mm-hmm. the puking kid. He just looks at Nick the Dick and th- nothing kind of happens. You're right. Nothing happens in that frat house. There's no payoff for it either. Oh, no, man, that's he goes point. in. Oh, well, we meet Nick the Dick, okay, and they talk about the incident. Okay, we see that, okay, and then afterwards, gone. Nothing. Because um, they really, the only thing you see in this college is his dorm room, another dorm room, the frat house, some outside shots, and then the art room. That's pretty much it. But the inside, the interior for the class, it's just a dorm room, the art room, the frat house. That's it. I also forgot about the art teacher being an Yo, the, asshole. The art teacher? Tell me how she kicked a kid out of class on day one, a class that he's paying for. for first two minutes, first kid she calls on. Also, did we mention that the first one is out and it's a black kid? <laughs> is that like the equivalent of like first, first person, first person to die in a yeah. horror movie? Yeah. And also, am I, I might be dumb, but Eddie, the, dumb. the girl, when she said, oh, I'm like, her name being Chris... Was that short for, like, Christina, for... Eddie, you're not allowed to... Did you see how offended she was that you would even ask that question? Is it short? No, why can't it just be Chris? All right, my bad, dude. My bad. No, Eddie, you can't ask that question. And we're not... And honestly, Eddie, that's too much of a hot take on this podcast. I don't think we can talk about that. Hottest take we've ever had. So in order to get out of that, because, Eddie, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting you to bring that kind of heat to the table. Um, There's just... 47 jump scares in this movie <laughs> and there's no tension building but there's th- th- those aren't jump scares though i don't is it they so, they're the classified outline... as jump scares but they're not really did sony tell these theaters like oh you have to like blast that scene like the, the, the treble to the max like those weren't jump scares yeah well what's really bad is and nick correct me if i'm wrong in this from the cinematography end they were trying to be better jump scares by building tension longer, but I just got annoyed because they weren't building tension. It was just taking longer to get to the jump scare. I don't even think that they spent a lot of time building up those jump scares either because they were so sharp. The whole point of a jump scare is that something unexpected happens, but it's something that you can actively see. 
Like, it has to actually jump, technically. Like, Evil Dead had a jump scare. When you see the mom in, like, the corner of the, the top of the ceiling, and then she jumps at you because you can visibly see her the whole time. This is a jump scare where things out of frame, we don't even know what they are, start bursting into into the frame. They're using very non-diegetic music. Um, like Wait, what the hell does non-diegetic mean for the audience? You know, the shh. Oh, they're not using like an actual like maybe like growl from like a demon or something yeah. like that that is more scary and the ones in the early insidious movies were way better because you didn't expect them they were longer build-ups and they were so few and far between i think i haven't seen them in a long time but i assume there's probably maybe like three or so in insidious one yeah and I mean, it just like, it takes them for, because I think they're trying to build tension. It just doesn't work. For example, I'll, I'll point out two scenes particularly. Remember when he's playing the, what a fucking dumb memory game. You can't get some tiles. You got to put pictures of your family on your fucking window with cardboard facing out. Like, so stupid. Like, that scene lasted a legitimate three to four minutes for one jump scare, finally. We watched this guy rearrange cardboard dominoes on his thing. For like he did it like four times, and that's what I'm saying. They're trying to build tension there, but it doesn't feel building. Or how about when the kid gets scared by the blanket, the jump scare with the blanket that something's underneath it? That is probably five minutes of him just walking around the room painting things, and then it just comes. The culmination wasn't even that. It was the the girl when she was with the lights and he like got possessed. Oh god. That's the that was I think the culmination of all their bad takes into one. Like it's. We know he's possessed. You don't have to tell us. You don't have to show us. And yet... And then, what was she... Why Why did the lights keep turning off? She, did she keep pulling the plug in and out? Like... <laughs> yeah, that's like... I don't actually know, Nick. You know. Uh, that, that, that was my take. But, like, going back to the the window scene. Yeah. How much of a better scene that could have been if there were less tape... Like, less angles... Yeah. Cutting back and forth. And it was one single take. These newer movies are forced to do that i guess to please the people even though like you guys said you don't they don't have to be like the law they could have done the long take to make that seem better i think going off of what you're saying uh in the earlier insidious movies i think they also did a better job at fleshing out who the demon was yeah in this one i mean we were looking the the, the same painting and we all were like, that's not the dad. <laughs> yeah. That looked like the, the guy from Texas Chainsaw. That didn't yeah. look like the father at all. Yeah. Uh, well, Eddie, since you brought up the rest of the Insidious movies, I've only seen one, two, and now five. I didn't see the prequel ones because I don't care. Uh, one, I thought, so for me, one was very good. Then two, then five. I don't think two spectacular, but I think it's good as a nice closer for the first one. Your thoughts on the movies? I saw one. Good. I started seeing two, and then I shut her off because I realized it was a bad movie, <laughs> and I gave up on the franchise until you two guys decided, "Hey, Eddie, let's go uh, watch this movie." We literally sorry for hanging out with the you, our friend. My bad. Won't <laughs> ask again. Sorry that we uh, we hurt <laughs> you with our friendship. Time. Yeah, no, we want to spend time. With you. That's on us. That's on us. We'll fix it. Dude, this fucking guy. Like, what makes a comment like that? It's like he paid for the tickets. Like, oh god. <laughs> what about you, Nick? French? Have you seen them all? Um, I've seen. I think I've seen them all. That That's as far as I'm going. Like, I, I've definitely seen one, two, and three. I don't remember four at all, but I think I saw it. 
And if I would have to rank them, I would go, I think four and five could be interchangeable at this point. I don't think four, if I saw it, again, this is an if. That's forgettable. If if I saw it, it definitely didn't anger me as much as five. So I'm going to go five, four, three, two, one. That seems like a a shitty kind of way to do it. Yeah, that's that's worse to best for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So everyone, in order, they just get progressively worse. Like Eddie said, like, before we got in, they just get worse and worse and worse. And it's true. I think 3 had its highlights, though, from yeah. what I remember. I, I haven't seen it since it first came out. But the third one, because uh, the directors keep changing. The first two, I'm pretty sure, were James Wan. The second, the third one was the prequel that was directed by Lee Wennell. Mm-hmm. He's the co-writer, so original one of the original mm-hmm. creators. The fourth one, I want to say he did that one at also but i i could be wrong and then this one's directed by patrick wilson but my thing is i think i think the biggest detriment is you go on hbo right insidious gets replayed insidious 2 gets replayed i have never seen an insidious 3 or 4 on not even on hbo and fx channel 3 none of that you pay for cable you might be the only person in our generation who still has cable yeah what's that well the only thing i will say about insidious chapter 1 and 2 insidious feels like the first one feels like a part one of a part two you didn't know it though it's not like they told you it what was really nice about it is that it can stand on its own because things happen characters progress and like even though there's like a cliffhanger ending something happened to get us there like how great that a dad is trying to search for his son and in order to save his son you don't expect at the end the son gets out but the dad doesn't and even if you see that coming i think you're still satisfied and it's this weird thing of like you know people change and things happen it's just wild when a part one feels like it's a part and but like it's like 50 percent of a whole not 10 percent yeah, it's crazy i can't think of a movie that like fails in that way but if i think of one i'll let you know i think that's a spider-man joke Eddie. <laughs> uh, but no but uh i think to be honest i don't need a watch too like to me like one one is good right? just one could stand on, like like uh we, you have what the vivich you got hereditary midsommar all those movies you can have a sequel to them got one good thing to say about this movie. Anybody? What is that? I like the, um, Chris, the supporting actress. I actually thought she did her role pretty well. Rose Byrne? <laughs> Patrick Wilson and then the kid? I no, I think Patrick Wilson did a horrible job. Yeah, he that's why he's ranked last. Yeah, he went to best to worst. Uh, here, here's my order. Chris. Uh, Nick the Dick. The guy who <laughs> offers... <laughs> The guy who offers, like, the pudding and the shit diapers. <laughs> that guy. Uh, these are real things he's not making up. No, these are, these are all real things. Uh, the painting that he makes. The art teacher. And son. I'm going to go dad over son. I hated it. Well, no, I think not the acting. I think the son was just very poorly written. I, I get it. You, I mean, listen, I've never been possessed, but. <laughs> <laughs> I've but never just, been possessed, it's just but if idiot. I was. He's just an idiot, like constantly like hey you've got some deep dark memories and they're leading you down a pretty bad path he's like no let's just keep going <laughs> let's see where i know it seems good but you light at the end of the tunnel fuck it let's go and he keeps going to his art teacher who's sending him into existential spiritual crisis like y'all yeah, keep taking the class <laughs> What's that? that's on rose burns character she oh. was an asshole for not saying Gosh. anything i don't know Nick, I, I haven't I said I didn't want to talk for more than thirty minutes about this movie. We're at the thirty minute mark. I'm done. So I think we're good for uh, final thoughts and ratings. Yeah, I'll go first. No, I'll go first. No, Nick, I really want to go first for this one. Why do you have to take another shit? I might, but 
this is an awful movie. This is why movies stop getting made. You should never go to the theater to see something like this. If someone ever says Insidious Chapter 5 is a good movie, like the people we interviewed today, I feel for them. I'll be praying for them. And I advise you to save your eyes, save your mentality, and most of all, don't go to the astral plane because that's the only place this movie can send you. It is a 1 out of 5. It is worse than Demolition Man. This is my worst hated movie of the year. I don't think anything will be able to top this. I'd rather go watch Dial of Destiny twice than have to watch this movie again. It's a 1 in case you didn't know. All right. Uh, Eddie, you want to go next? I uh, rated five out of five. Yes. Get it, go. F- if that's your wait, you didn't even let me in the finish. Bro, you said five. Let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk. <laughs> I want to rate this a five out of five. I would let me scam me again. Second scam of the day. We'll My. talk more about that after the break. But uh, for me, I'm also gonna say this is. I think this is the worst movie of the year. And I, I had Pope's Exorcist like way down there. And I know how you feel about Pope's Exorcist. This, this elevated Pope's Exorcist to fine art. Uh, more so than the painting in the in the red door. <laughs> so I'm gonna give this a one out of five. I did not enjoy my time there at all. It was one of the movies I wish I fell asleep during. I I am envious of you, Eddie, because Eddie <laughs> took about four fine ass naps during this movie. Those naps were really insidious. Oh. Do you know what's crazy is uh the worst jump scare in this movie that got me was when your keys fell out of your pocket <laughs> <laughs> the floor. Uh, here's a here's a crazy. Uh, one of my socks is inside out. <laughs> That's what's crazy today. That had more entertainment. That's value. so insidious. Of That's you. so insidious. <laughs> so after the break, we will be talking about Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. We want to thank today's sponsor, iShit. iShit is one of the best uh, ways to go when it comes to any shitting experience or flying. Maybe you're in a movie theater watching a bad movie, or maybe you want to go get uh, scammed out of two hundred and fifty dollars flying in the air. Well, we've got the good news for you. iShit takes every bird in your local area traps them in a confined space so they can never fly again and then we turn on a fan at mock speed so that you can't hear anything and all you can hear is the sound of a spinning fan while shit flies around you and you get to float in the air for 10 seconds before being ripped down back again out of the sky being shown a 10 second clip and being charged 90 dollars make sure you trust i shit today make sure if you got money burning in your pocket that I shit will take care of it for you. Don't miss another great experience with shit in the air, birds in the sky, and confined all to a fan. This podcast is powered and sponsored by Four Way Media. Maybe you have a special event coming up. Maybe your wedding. Maybe it's an engagement. Maybe you want to make the perfect proposal to your girlfriend. Make sure you book Four Way Media. We turn everyday life into a cinematic experience. We can absolutely make sure that your proposal goes well, gets every angle and every shot. So make sure you book us today at Fortway underscore media. Shout us out on Instagram, DM us, or at fortwaymedia.com. And we're back. And before we hop into Rear Window, we do recognize that we are in the middle of July now. We have hit the midway mark of the year. What What's at the top of our list for this year? Top five of 2023 so far, but in no particular order. We'll do a particular order when we get to the end of the year after December. But yeah, so uh, who wants to go first? I'll take it. I'll take it. In no particular order, I have Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, John Wick Chapter 4, Evil Dead Rise. I'm gonna, I only have two spots left, but I think I have to mention The Pope's Exorcist for sure. And then it's a toss up between two, but I'm gonna end it with Transformers Rise of the Beast. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, In no particular order, I have John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. 
that's immediate what I cut to i knew i knew you were gonna do that uh guy Ritchie's the covenant scream six and evil dead rise uh, in no particular order i have john wick chapter four i have creed three i have guardians of the galaxy three i have spider-man and for my last one i'm gonna add a tv show okay because i wanted to put the flash but i don't think it should be up there i'm gonna put an anime i think uh gundam wing uh which from uh mercury rich Mer- which from mercury yes is an excellent show i highly recommend it to you jp yeah we're gonna do an anime episode at some point and this is the face of a man who forgot everything he's watched in 2023. I don't, I don't watch Gundam shit. You're oh, gonna watch. Oh, Gundam. there's a line. There's a line. Shit. It's like an inner anime. I don't watch. I think Gundam's dumb. <laughs> I'd like to replace Transformers: Rise of the Beast with Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank you. <laughs> the amount of replacements you did on your superhero episode, yeah. and I gave them to you. Yeah, I, I gave them to you. Oh man. <laughs> The problem is all the movies I want to put up there are from 2001, 1986. <laughs> I don't want to put our movies this year. You can still do that. No, you can't, man. So we're talking Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, starring Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. Rear Window is about a photographer, after suffering an injury from his last job, is bound to a wheelchair in an apartment building. As he stares off into the window and looks at all the neighbors around him in this apartment complex, he believes he might have discovered something sinister that is going on across at the building from him and that's what the movie is about to think that we did two furniture movies today we did the red door and we did rear window yeah it's a furniture episode that's why we're putting these two together um we want to want to thank our sponsors furniture depot i don't know if that's a real place but we'll get sued i'm sure i had a, a talk with somebody yesterday about uh the difference between film and digital and to watch this movie i re i've seen it multiple times and to watch this movie again, but just to really just gaze at, like, if you thought my, my mouth was drooling last time, the Technicolor, the cinematography. Eddie, I believe you have some hot takes about Alfred Hitchcock. It's not hot takes. There's a reason why he didn't win an Oscar. What was the reason? Because he wasn't a good director. Uh, fine, you got Psycho and you got Birds. <laughs> but Rear Window, I get it. Uh, so I've never seen any Hitchcock movies until I joined the, the it was film, a club film club in high school. Makes sense. And I saw Psycho. That, that was really good. Like that, legitimately, like it scared me. Yeah. And Nick remembers when I'm like, yo, I'm getting scared of this movie. And, and I'm like, yeah. And then I saw Birds. Again, excellent movie. Then he, I think he recommended, oh, well, you should watch Rear Window. I watched it and I got bored. And it's like, I, I, I understood it. I get it. But it's a nicely shot movie. I, but it's a, it doesn't really intrigue me. I agree with you in a sense for Rear Window. Obviously, I don't watch a lot of Hitchcock films. Mm-hmm. I just watch Bird Psycho, the ones that are recommended. I agree with you. Yeah, there was a little bit in the first 30 minutes movies where I'm like, where is it going? Mm-hmm. It's taking a little too long. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like a slow burn. I'm a slow burn kind of guy. But I have lots of questions. And I think, Nick, you're probably going to talk about this more. But I think the movie, I just love the really long shots and takes that they have in the apartment. Not telling you anything. I really enjoyed that. I like not hearing characters talk. I like that I really was taken on a tour, a virtual tour of this apartment complex. 
I do agree that yeah, sometimes I'm I do want a little bit more. It does it takes really sometimes it feels like we push the ball forward, it gets rolling, but then it really comes to a halt. I definitely understand. I did believe it or not, why well, sometimes I watch these really late, so it wouldn't be the first mm-hmm. time I fell asleep during a movie, but I did fall asleep during the first three minutes and then I watched it again. I think maybe if I watched it now when was as a grown up, maybe I could watch it and truly like understand it. But maybe as an eighteen year old I I was like and again I've watched Long movies like uh, There Will Be Blood, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Long movies. Well, not long per se, but, but slow burns. Slow yeah. burns. And those were excellent slow burns. Things that are like, wow. I saw Rear Window that didn't. Again, cinematography. Excellent. The, the shots, like you said, that you see that. That they that movie, I see why that movie inspired a lot of the, the, the modern ones. The way the long shots were taken, but... I didn't like the story. I just Nick, obviously big Hitchcock fan. What did you What do you think about what we're saying or just the movie in general? And I rated Rear Window as like one of my top Hitchcock movies, and particularly for the cinematography. And I do enjoy the story. I think it is like a more suspenseful, like slow burn version. And we talked about this earlier when you were like, kind of reminded me of Disturbia where movies like Disturbia came out after this and it was they were inspired by this but it very much felt like um when a stranger calls have you guys ever seen that mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. uh but not the remake the original no I've never no seen the original. i've seen the remake so the original i argue the first 30 minutes is probably the most suspenseful thriller i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. i'll stand by that i think it's even better than some of hitchcock's work and because they show so little, they tell you so little up until the moment that it's right to tell you. And when I was re-watching it this morning, I didn't realize how long it takes to get to the actual murder or the suspected murder. And I clocked it. It comes in around 40 plus minutes. That's almost halfway through the movie before the inciting incident happens. So it's world-building for that first 40 which is insane when you think about it if you think about something like insidious they're telling you uh, at least insidious 5 they're telling you right within the first 10 minutes that something insidious is happening uh where this one like you know jp's saying we don't really know what the point of this movie is up until about the 40 minute mark and then you're like okay let's start piecing this puzzle together and you're working with the characters at the same time they are so when you think about it I don't remember Disturbia vividly. Does anybody? Mm-hmm. So you may have to clue me in. Is the suspected murder a little bit more visual than this one, or no? I would think, yeah, yeah it's a little it bit, is. definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing's for sure. I think it's after the first 10 minutes, the first night. Like, you don't see the girl leave the apartment, yeah. or you see some But, like, so. do you see a struggle amongst them? Like, do you see mm-hmm. a fight? No. No. no think, you, but I think it's like... But they, they make it pretty it, clear, yeah. like, something's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. So this one... You hear screams in the distance. You don't even see... It doesn't even cut to that particular apartment. You have to put it together that it's that apartment. And then um, all the other clues later on are all things that he has to discover on his own. And they have to do their own detective work. So I I like that it's very grounded. It stays in its one location. And I know you love your one location. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. That was one location. And I, I agree with you. I just think it takes... Right, the slow burn, I don't mind. I don't mind building it up. 
yeah, there wasn't enough in that first 30 minutes where I really could have been like, okay, this really isn't going anywhere. There isn't enough here to keep me in. But once it turns that point, excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Love it. Because th- I have a question. Was Rear Window made before or after Psycho? So that would be before Psycho. So I think, yeah, so I think the reason why I place Psycho as such a high pedestal, he realized his mistakes in Rear Window, which was the 40-minute slow burn. Psycho sort of like grabbed you still with the, oh, she's stealing the money. Like, oh, what she's going to do. In Rear Window, there wasn't, it was, again, it was just world building. Yeah, like the conversation of like, stop staring outside your window stop doing that this that the other thing there wasn't a conversation that's like hinting at anything to go anywhere it just eventually at some point things get weird and i think that's part of the story itself in a a way Mm -hmm. because when a stranger calls we don't need 40 minutes before a stranger calls as soon as a stranger calls we're like terrified because if you if you think back to the when a stranger calls the tagline is have you checked the children and for those of you who haven't seen when a stranger calls short story uh, babysitter babysitting the kids kids are upstairs sleeping gets a phone call in the middle of the night and a stranger just says have you checked the children oh and what a i got chills man i i remember that movie vividly oh such a creepy movie and he keeps calling back progressively over the night and keeps saying why haven't you checked the children why haven't you checked the children by the time she actually does things go down but that's what i'm saying so in this movie we're following in the same footsteps as Jimmy Stewart's character, where we're trapped in this apartment. We're looking around. We're not exactly just looking for anything in particular. We're just looking. We're being a voyeur. We're seeing the lives of all these people. And every conversation, if you think about it, uh, that he's having with the girlfriend, that he's having with the nurse, they're all very important conversations that have not necessarily clues of what's happening, but clues that will help them later on like the nurse says that she has this background in in pills and medication the the girlfriend has this lifestyle that she keeps talking about because she's she's a rich girl and then that plays into when the wife leaves her jewelry behind she knows about all this stuff so all these things aren't wasted dialogue they're not wasted scenes they are important but it's really about catering to the story itself of seeing like this person trapped in these in this apartment and now he's looking out and then he hears something and now he's paranoid about what it is and he can't move anywhere. If we started the movie Rear Window at maybe the 30 minute mark, so that way 10 minutes into the movie the, the murder happens, would that work for you? No, I think, I'm, I'm telling you, he realized his mistake was like Psycho, right? Like, Back then, right, 1960s, there were really no trailers, correct? Like, I'm assuming there were no trailers for movies. There were trailers, but they were really awful trailers. Yeah, so you're going in thinking like, oh, there's a psycho, right? Like, ooh, what could this be? So you think it's the girl. And then immediately grabs it because she, she commits the, the crime. And they're like, oh, she has to be psycho. And then all of a sudden, within the half hour mark, it's flipped. Now, you, now, now the real psycho appears, right? In rear window... Again, it could be, it could be 30, 20, but if it doesn't grab you, like it doesn't give you something like a, it doesn't give you some bait. Breadcrumb, yeah. Yeah, then there's not, if it happened within like 15 minutes, at most, I think 20 minutes. If you're just going to do it like that, 
but that's why I think he learned. He learned from his mistakes, fortunately, and he, he gave us one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Him meaning Hitchcock, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, how is this movie? I think at some points I'm actually doubting whether this guy actually murdered or not. I really didn't know how it was going to end. I really thought maybe it'll just end at, like, Jimmy, like, falsely accused this guy and he gets put away. Uh, but I think Hitchcock did here one of the best things you could ever do. Uh, which is true about horror in a lot of films, which is, I think A Stranger Calls does really well, is our imagination is oftentimes our greatest proponent mm-hmm. of fear, what we imagine in our heads. And I think Rear Window, what it does really great as, is, um, and Grace Kelly's character says it very well, who's more sadistic, the people wanting a guy to be the murderer and catch him, or the actual thing itself, because they're like disappointed. He like when as the, he starts being investigated, that he's not the killer, which says a lot more about them than it does him. Minor gripes I have with the movie, uh, where he looks in through a camera, and for some reason, every shot is a circle. Yeah. When when you look into a camera, it's not. <laughs> just just point, point that out there. Hitchcock. And then, and then two, um, I don't know if it's my copy. I have a restored version of it, but I imagine it's the same thing. Um, the speeding up of the footage at the end—I don't know what you're talking about. When when all when the murder is figured out, and then all the people start running out, and it's like sped up. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that that happened for you too, right? Yeah. Okay, I thought I I always thought it was my. Were copy. they actually running out of film? Is that a thing? No, no, no. <laughs> I think they just sped up the footage. I wonder why. But I don't. It Maybe doesn't look did good. Maybe that on purpose. Like, they, it looks like they hit fast forward. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I did notice that. Okay, but so my eyes weren't playing tricks on me. Yeah, I think it was just to make it look more urgent, but that just makes it look more stupid. <laughs> yeah, it looks silly. Yeah. <laughs> After a movie that's been so realistic about people and how they do things and when no one's watching. Yeah. Um, Final thoughts and ratings? Final thoughts and ratings, yeah. I'll go first. Yeah, it's your movie, buddy. Go for it. All right. Um, so, again, I think it's one of my favorite Hitchcock movies. Not my top one. I think that's still a toss-up between Psycho and, ironically, uh, North by Northwest. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's an amazing film to look at. I think the pacing is slow. It's a slow burn, but I enjoy those kinds of movies. Uh, We were talking about long movies. I can watch Once Upon a Time in America, which is a four-hour gangster film. And I've seen Apocalypse now, the four-hour version. So I I can sit through these. I'm excited for uh, the new Scorsese movie coming out. I think it's a great movie. I think it has some flaws to it, particularly towards the end with some of those effects and potentially a little bit in the beginning. So I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. I'm going to rate it a... I'm going to say a 3. A 3 out of 5. That was a very leading sound there. I thought it was a 2 for sure. I I was going to, but I'm just... I don't... Again, the story is good when it starts with like going i don't think it's a strong hitchcock film only because he sets the bar really high if you watch psycho first like i did after that any other film is like and again that makes sense you told me real window was the first one so it makes sense but and and i've seen now modern day suspense like that are better just at, at doing it 
even before you said two and then went to three, I thought for sure you were just going to give it a two. Interesting. Kind of had my doubts about it. I mean, I was expecting a lot expectation thing again. Uh, but eventually did pay off, and I did like it. I think there's some great moments in this movie. I think it's such a prototype for those suspense, just watching without speaking, telling a story just visually. I think it's an uh, it's actually very artfully and like what a what a masterclass to take and how to tell stories just through action. How important actions are. I think you had a take earlier. I'm not sure if it was sure. in the car ride this morning or when we when we were coming out sure. of the theater. But you said something that if Rear Window had no dialogue at one point. Oh, yeah. I think you could do this movie no dialogue and just from the perspective of a guy who's looking out his window. And I think you still have an equally gripping movie. Yeah, obviously there's some good parts where they talk about it and you start to doubt. Like, even just build the doubt with the guy, you know? Yeah, so I think you could do this movie even without um, any dialogue. I still think it'd be good. So that all being said... I think Eddie pointed something out. I know this is pretty long on the rating, but I think he pointed something out. Well, if you've seen other Hitchcock's movie, and the problem is Hitchcock movies always say Alfred Hitchcock's blank, mm-hmm. like John Carpenter's. So it gives you this mm-hmm. bar that you have to set. And so I think, yeah, seeing Psycho first hurts the film. Um, that being said, so I'm going to give it a little bit of a higher rating than I normally would because I think I am using the this Hitchcock masterpiece, so it must be a masterpiece. So I am going to give it a four. I think I was mostly a three, solid three, hardcore, but um, I really do like the second half, and I think just for its time and you know cinematically i really did enjoy it so yeah gonna give it a four this has been an episode of take 303 thanks for watching two special announcements we want to make first off obviously we want to thank eddie for being on the podcast thank you eddie for being here okay (laughs) if you can see his face obviously for reasons you can't show uh shout out and also in a very special way we want to wish nick our co-host a very happy birthday. We're recording this the day before his birthday, so happy birthday, Nick. Thank you, guys. And thank you for spending the day with me. Uh, we have some extra content that we're going to be putting out about <laughs> yeah. what we did this morning. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be putting out some extra content. So, again, this has been an episode of Take 303. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, make sure to follow us on Spotify and on any other place where we have stuff. You can check us out at four-way underscore media on instagram we're always always posting stuff there's including reels and some highlights and trailers for what might come out in future episodes this week's poll question of the week is what is your favorite out of the five insidious movies maybe you've only seen the first two because they're good but maybe you've seen all of them and you can tell us uh which one is your favorite this week's question of the week is what is your favorite hitchcock movie please tell us and maybe even include why if you'd be so bold and so kind Next week's episode is going to be Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, and Tropic Thunder. Again, happy birthday, Nick. Nick, what do we do for your birthday? Uh, so I dragged both of you guys to Westchester and then to pa- Paramus, New, New Jersey? Jersey. Yonkers. Uh, Yonkers. Yeah, but uh, Paramus. No, no, well, he said Westchester. Is Yonkers. It, it's the, the same. Thing? People from Yonkers think there's a difference. Fine. We're from the city. It's Westchester, all right? I mean, anything above the Bronx is upstate. Yeah, it's upstate. That's the point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just want to thank both of you guys. You came out. Uh, we did some indoor skydiving this morning. No, you two did some indoor skydiving. <laughs> I laughed on the sideline. You got us some high-quality video for the low, low price of free, better than what they were charging. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a scam and a half, but... Uh, we got some enjoyment out of it. Probably about two minutes of enjoyment out of that. Because <laughs> uh, you paid hundred dollars for <laughs> it. Was a it was a discount, which it, thank God because yeah. they were originally going to charge like seventy five dollars per flight. Seventy five dollars for a minute. That's crazy. I don't see any anywhere 
that anyone's well, charging no, you that. $75 for you to float in... Oh, oh yeah, Just float, floating. Float you don't even get to go three, up. Three feet. I've, already, I've been skydiving in real life, so I thought indoor skydiving, I've already done the next best thing. I'm good. Yeah, um, so you set out. So I set out. I'm, I'm still going to join the boys. It's the boys' birthday, so I'm going to go with them. Um, I'm going to be honest with the outside. I look fucking stupid. <laughs> Look, Eddie was saying that it was it was a pussy move, but for for me it was like you know there's a few more people in my life right now that are that would kill me before I do such a thing. Uh, the only way for me to do it is really to like not tell anybody and then just go, which I think was your route. Yeah, I didn't tell anybody. I just went, and then I showed them the video for their birthday, which was my mom, and then she was so mad and upset that she forgot that I actually didn't get her a real gift for her birthday. This, this has been, been our Sky Scam episode, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for watching. All right. I think Nick is also aware. Yeah, like they're discussing the angles. Nick, obviously, being the OCD person that he is, he's trying to figure out what is the correct angle my hand should be going at. Got two people ahead of him. They'll go for a minute each. Then Eddie and Nick will go. Nick first, then Eddie. Then everybody gets one more time. And then it says for only $50, you can. All right, everybody. Here comes Nick. And there he goes, he's going in. Alright, let's see what he can do. Has he finally got it? Maybe. His hands need to probably be a little straighter, but here he goes, and he's going up. Nicholas Molinari in the sky. And here goes Eddie. Alright, Eddie's legs seem to be pretty straight. Yeah, it's a moving busy place here. But here we go. Eddie should be taking off. And three, two, one, and they're up. Eddie having a nice time. Nobody's smiling. Did not see any smiles from Nick. Did not see any smiles from Eddie. Obviously, there's wind blowing in their face. More time, I believe. They get two one-minute increments, so I'll be back with And I don't blame these people. Once you get in there, you're overwhelmed by the way, and it is so hard to control yourself, man. It's just funny watching everybody struggle with that. I'm sure I struggle with it, too. Um, definitely not looking down, but yeah, it is very tough in there to try to control. And here comes Nick again. Let's get a closer look. It is 109. There was only four of them. We're gonna get some interviews when we're done. All right, we're here with Four Way Media. Not wearing my shirt. Not sponsored. Uh, we're here with Eddie Martinez, uh, our favorite person. Can you tell us about the experience? They robbed us. Yeah. I didn't know it was a hundred dollars. <laughs> a discount uh, of what? Eyes over here. Eyes over here. What do you think was the best part of the experience? Leaving. And out of five, what would you give it? Solid four. Bing. We're here with Nick. Uh, Nick, I see you. What did you get here today? I got a certificate that says I uh, I went to terminal velocity. He went to terminal velocity, which means all his money died inside at high speed. Uh, Nick, thoughts on the experience overall? Out of five? I'm going to give it a low four. Giving it a low four, the same score as Eddie. Obviously, no half-star ratings. And Nick, uh, would you recommend anybody to come, or would you rather go real skydiving? I would recommend uh, to do it before real skydiving. 
If you're scared and you want to know what it's like beforehand to do something that is not even close to the real thing, come to Indoor Skydiving. Have a great one. Bye-bye.